0: We bring you news and analysis every day on the Bloomberg UK Politics podcast, but now you can hear the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com plus Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Search Bloomberg News Now and subscribe today.
1: Energy and air pollution will be one of the top five issues for the general election.
2: We talk about Putin being in control. He's not, really. it's the various factions under him and it
3: suits them to have him at the front. You're trying to save for a house deposit and you'd have to save up some crazy amount of money. How on earth are you going to do that if a pint is seven pounds?
4: There's certain key things that we want from India and there's certain key things that they want from us.
0: Hello, welcome to Conservative Party Conference 2023 in Manchester. I'm Caroline Hepke And I'm Lizzie Burden. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. So, the journey up. We're here at Conservative Party Conference. People are arriving in droves. And today is the big Chancellor speech. Of course, you've been speaking, Lizzie uh, Burden, to Jeremy Hunt just earlier this morning. But firstly, a word on the mood, on getting up here uh, at a time of strike action. So this is my third conference. Mm. And the
5: first one I went to was absolutely jubilant. It was a delayed party to celebrate Boris Johnson's 2019 victory the next year was Liz Truss's conference it was pretty chaotic and I have to say so far this year has been to put it maybe too frankly
0: dull and oh, I think that yes. Rishi Sunak Muted. might like it that way Yes, I think that's an interesting point, isn't it? It was chaotic last year. Conservative conference was in Birmingham. A lot of MPs seemed to be absent. And we were in the middle of the market reaction, really, to Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng's mini budget, where the markets firmly put in place the crash rails, uh, saying, you know, that that effectively... uh, unfunded tax cuts would have a significant impact in terms of borrowing costs this year yes maybe you're right that the government wants the uh wants the impression to be far more stable i think the big issue though is we have had almost a year of a more stable administration of jeremy hunt and rishi sunak talking about that Now we're thinking about the next general election, and can this Conservative Party turn things around, unite behind a message that will win over voters? And the difficulty on that
5: is today, you've got Liz Truss, former Prime Minister, making a speech of her own, where she's wanting a totally different agenda to what Rishi Sunak's promising. She wants tax cuts on corporation tax, and it's emblematic of the divisions within the party. Rishi Sunak really needs to unite the Conservatives, and at the same time, he needs to present a different agenda to Keir Starmer if he is to claw back some of the headroom that Labour has made in the polls.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most notable quotes um, was from the Corporation of London, the policy chair Chris Hayward saying, you know, elections are won and lost on the economy. Everybody knows that front and centre is the cost of living. It's the economy, stupid. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, you know, we're acutely aware of that. There is some good news for the government that things are improving in terms of bringing down inflation although it's stubbornly high of slightly better growth revisions to backward looking data for the economy and yet the strike action uh, the issue around the cost of the NHS because we have um, NHS workers also on strike this week those are major major issues and you're, you're right the party actually seems particularly divided. you got the former Prime Minister Liz Truss with that big speech 1230 30 and uh, then the chance at two o'clock and as I say the Tory party really trying to inspire
5: the populace about this long term future. This is the slogan of the party conference. I'm looking over to my left at a banner here. It says long term decisions for a brighter future. But the trouble is, of course, they've got to focus on the short term when you've got an election on the horizon. And that's what is spotlighted by this whole issue about net zero and about HS2 as well. So that's something that you've been talking to Andy Burnham, the Greater Manchester Mayor about, he- HS2.
0: Oh yes, he was uh, as ever furious and saying why is the city around us in Manchester being locked out of the decision making on HS2? He was willing to have discussions uh, with the government about what other connectivity could be implemented if HS2 you know, doesn't happen. But he was you know quite is has been very pointed in his criticism wanting a great deal more for as he put it manchester that is growing and appealing to young people to enterprise to, to tech startups and more but that was one of the topics as i say that came up in my
5: conversation with the chancellor so here's that interview in full
2: i think the answer is that we've been through a very challenging period in the british economy um and as people see Rishi Sunak and my plan working, uh, we will start to see those numbers change. And when I became Chancellor and when he became Prime Minister, inflation was over 11%. Now it's down to 6.7%. That's a fall of 40%. Uh, We just heard uh, last week that our economy has recovered better than France or Germany since the pandemic. And that's because of the decision that Rishi Sunak took as Chancellor uh, to introduce the furlough scheme, the most one of the most generous schemes in Europe. And so I think as people start to see that this is a government that is prepared to take difficult long-term decisions, to make our country more prosperous, uh, they will understand that the Conservative Party is the party of wealth creation, that will mean in the end we have more money for our precious public services.
5: Well, speaking of the long term, let's talk about HS2, because we are in Manchester. Your predecessor, one of, George Osborne, Conservative Chancellor, raises the question, how can any foreign investor trust a Conservative promise if you can't make certainty on HS2?
2: Well I'm really sorry to disappoint you but I'm not going to be able to uh, talk extensively about that because uh, we haven't made a formal decision and at the appropriate time an announcement will be made Um, but um, what I will say is that we would always want to invest in our economic infrastructure but you would expect any chancellor who want to understand why it is that it costs 10 times more to build high-speed rail in this country than it does in France. And so those are the discussions that we're having inside government.
5: Well, how could the money be better spent?
2: Well, I think uh, you're presuming that we're going to decide in one particular way. That decision has not yet been made formally. So I'm afraid you'll have to wait for all those discussions. But you'll have plenty of chance to ask those questions uh, when that decision has been announced.
5: Okay. The other big controversy that's looming over this conference is tax cuts. Many of your colleagues. you can't win an election without them. Michael Gove wants tax cuts for workers, but in January you told Bloomberg your priority, when it's affordable, are tax cuts for business. Is that still the case?
2: Well, I'd like to have lots of tax cuts, (laughs) um, and uh, I think that uh, we have already cut business taxes when it comes to for example business rates um, the 13 and a half billion pound package I announced at the autumn statement is about an average of a 10% cut but we've introduced now and the election. we've introduced capital allowances uh, for 3 years uh, most generous capital allowances in the world introduced in the spring budget but to answer your question very directly um, if we want faster growth and also an end to taxes ever ratcheting higher. Uh, That is possible, but there are no shortcuts. And what I'll be saying this afternoon is if we're going to do that, we have to make it easier for businesses to grow. Uh, We have to spend taxpayers' money more efficiently. We need to reform the welfare state. Those are difficult decisions, but they are decisions that Rishi Sunak and I are willing to take because the choice in British politics It's between a party that does want to bring down the tax burden and the Labour Party that doesn't.
5: So you want to bring down the tax burden. How much headroom do you need to deem that it's affordable to cut taxes?
2: Well, at the moment, we don't have that headroom at all. But how much would you need? Well, whatever the cost of a tax cut is. But we don't have that headroom because, in fact, since the spring budget, uh, our debt interest payments have gone up because the markets are pricing long-term debt more expensively than they did. Um, But... There's another reason why this isn't the right time for big tax cuts, which is even more significant, which is that they would be inflationary. If we put money in people's pockets, uh, they would spend that money and then prices would go up. And just at the moment that we're turning the tide on inflation... We wouldn't want to go in the opposite direction.
5: So in your speech later, we're expecting you to make an announcement on raising the living wage. Are you worried that that could be inflationary? And are you going to offset the cost to business, for example, by a national insurance?
2: The rising of the national living wage uh, won't affect the OBR's forecast for inflation going forward. Uh, It is very significant because it's a pay rise for two million of the lowest paid people That's because we're a government that wants to make work pay. Um, Since 2010, we've increased the uh, minimum legal pay rate by £9,000. And that is one of the reasons why you've seen unemployment come down by a million since then. So it's part of a bigger strategy that says we need to make work pay.
5: Just finally, on the long-term decisions, We hear that you're planning to copy Canada's growth fund to try and boost growth. How much is the government going to pump into that?
2: Well, um, I don't know what Canada's growth fund is, but I'll tell you where we have been saying that we want to copy Canada and Australia is that we want to make it easier for big pension funds to invest in growth companies. And in in Canada, they will be investing up to 15% of their portfolio in growth companies. Uh, Here, it's less than four percent and that's what my mansion house reforms are trying to do now we have got uh, the largest technology sector outside china and the united states it's a great british success story but we don't just want these companies to start in britain we want them to stay here and this is part of the way we do that
0: So that was the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt then, uh, going through the issues, you know, trying to get inflation down is is the government's priority. He repeated that. Yes, he's in favour of tax cuts. He wants tax cuts. It's about how you do that. But is it enough to convince, you know, members and, uh, you know, party workers who are here at this conference?
5: Yeah, giving plenty of opportunity to dangle some tax cuts before the Tory MPs. That's all they seem to want, well, many of them, before the next election. Something to to bring back to their constituents. But no, Hunt doesn't want to promise anything yet. Of course, we have got a budget on the horizon. But for me, Caroline, what was interesting in Hunt's words were that he says he doesn't have the headroom for tax cuts and the tax cuts he does depends on the headroom and that implies he won't be borrowing to please his MPs to give them something to give the constituents. Okay. so
0: as to a perspective from Manchester, here is the Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham, talking about being shot out of the decision making king in closed door conference rooms here at the conservative party conference he wants hs2 to be built have a listen to that conversation
1: it's so frustrating for us uh, because the government says it won't comment on speculation but who created the speculation who created the uncertainty they did and then you hear the chancellor say you know why does uh, building high-speed rail cost 10 times more here well that's a question for, for himself and for the Prime Minister because they've overseen uh, the spiralling costs on, on HS2. We're not against having a conversation about how do we get the costs down, how could we perhaps rephase the scheme. The one thing we would say to both of them is do not scrap it, do not pull the plug on the north of England. It, feels cynical to me it feels as though they're building to a decision that they've already pretty much made that decision and yet they realise that oh we're going to be in Manchester so we can't announce it before we'll just have to do it when we've left a few days later that's how it feels to us uh, and okay. we've asked for a meeting still haven't been given one it, it doesn't it doesn't look great
0: all right cynical but on the flip side the costs are there as you say spiraling costs of a, 100 billion pounds I mean 20 billion has already been spent and not a track has been laid they the government was never whatever the government really was in power was never going to be able to deliver this project at this level of cost
1: well i i think uh they have started work on the southern section um but also the question is well why have those costs spiraled and what i would say is we've had 13 years of chopping and changing indecision about hs2 and and that creates the spiralling costs, uh, and you know they can't sort of kind of separate their own actions from the situation that they've they've overseen. They've overseen this uh, this situation, so mm. it's it's very frustrating. But obviously, when you look at something like um, uh, rail infrastructure, it's it's not just the cost. It's what's the benefit yes. to the country? What's the growth opportunity that comes? What's the kind of size of the okay. UK economy with HS2? rather than what's the size of it without HS2. And you've got to look at the bigger picture when it comes to taking this Uh, decision. Well,
0: on that point then, um, the idea that there could be a swap of HS2 for better connectivity in other areas, particularly east-west in the north of England, would that be a compromise perhaps that you would be prepared to take? I.e. is there a deal to be done with the government in terms of better connectivity?
1: Well, I, I wrote to the Prime Minister a week ago today to sort of start that conversation to say look let's let's have a conversation about potentially rephasing some of this investment i don't think personally the north of england should be forced to choose between whether we get an east west line or a north south line well we need both london gets both they're never forced to choose why are we always forced to choose here why are people here always treated as second class citizens when it comes to transport investment so i don't think we should be forced to choose if you look at our railways at the moment actually They're fairly chaotic north-south and east-west because the capacity isn't there. We have too much Victorian infrastructure in the north of england but yes i am open to a conversation with the prime minister about how you might phase different sections of this of this infrastructure and yes if that meant building more in the north of england first well we, we may well support that okay. but have the conversation okay. with us don't be in our city with all of the kind of you know the 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 kind of circus that the conservative party conference brings which we you know we're here and we're happy to, to host it but to shut us out of this decision while you're kind of having these discussions in rooms at the conference where the city that you're in is completely shut out. It doesn't feel right.
0: Why would it not be the North suffering cuts, as you put it, second-class citizens under a Labour government? Why would it not simply be the the case? Because it's about the finances, the maths and the funding, the tax revenue.
1: Well, I hope to persuade Labour, when they're in Liverpool next week, that this infrastructure is critical and it um, it should be built and yeah Labour I'm sure will want to take their, their own look at how it can be afforded uh, in, in terms of that building but you know, going back to this thing about the, the costs the Conservative government took a decision to tunnel large sections of HS2 under fields in the Chilterns due, due to objections from, uh, from, from residents that massively has increased the costs whereas up here they won't give us an underground station at Piccadilly uh, and they're still asking us to contribute to the cost of the airport station yep. at Manchester Airport. And, and this is why I say they cannot um, kind of claim that they've got nothing to do with these rising costs. If you mm. tunnel HS2 under fields, for, from a sort of a, you know, a, a kind of a, 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 you know, local amenity point of view, there isn't any economic benefit for doing that. You can do it, you can make a decision to do it, but you don't grow the economy by doing that. If you come to Manchester and build it properly, you and build it underground you get an economic benefit from that because you create space for uh, for uh, investment around that station so they have they have mismanaged this project they have prioritized the wrong things
0: okay what is the cost of business of this not going ahead what is the appeal of Manchester to finance businesses in particular that Bloomberg is very interested in yeah what what is the advantage the benefit of being in this city what is the cost to the city of not having the rail connection
1: so we're the fastest growing digital and tech hub in europe and conservatives arriving here i think might be quite surprised by the change in manchester in just two years we've we've grown upwards there are more skyscrapers in the city uh we are we are doing well we are an increasing financial center the bank of new york bny mellon Mm. have a, a strategic site here uh, we 're quite a home for fintech and, and this is this is the point you know actually this city is doing doing well and Why is there an argument to invest in this city? I would say because that talent that everyone 's after the twenty something thirty somethings uh, that that all businesses are after. I think living in Manchester is increasingly a better option for those uh, young people because they're not so attracted to living in zone 6 at the end of the Piccadilly line or the, in a house they can't afford. They Actually they kind of like the idea that they might be able to have a flat in the city centre here in Manchester, have a, a lifestyle that is exactly the same as they would have in London, a bit more green space uh, around them and um, and, a, and a good job that pays well. So actually the talent is increasingly coming to Manchester uh, and that's why we're a, a, an interesting place to invest. and. I would just say to the government, this success story is is happening. Don't pull the plug on it.
5: So that was Andy Burnham, Mayor of Greater Manchester. I have to tell you, Caroline, my proudest achievement of the conference so far <laughs> was getting Andy Burnham to admit to me that he too is a professional northerner. <laughs>
0: I think this has layers and layers, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, and no doubt, doubt is going to do well on social media. So your favourite moment is not you and I popping over to the party shop. We must tell the listener
5: that the Tory merch store, right, flip-flops with Keir Starmer's face on it, illustrating the characteristic that they say uh, is going to stop Keir Starmer getting to number 10, changing his mind on policies. well. Rishi Sunak's been doing a lot of that recently, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, there were some Margaret Thatcher baubles as well, but no, we went for the flip-flops. I think that's going to be uh, the key one selling. So, joining us now is Bloomberg's political correspondent, Joe Mays. Joe, great to have you on the Bloomberg Politics Podcast. So, we've had the conversation with the Chancellor, we've also had the Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham, speaking to us. What do you think that Rishi Sunak needs to do to try to unify the party, try and get ready for the next general election.
3: Well, I think he needs to energise the party with some positivity and some concrete announcements that will make them think that, yes, this is a retail offer we can bring to voters and give us a chance to, you know, overturn this poll lead and actually have a fighting chance at the next election, whether that is something like a a tax cut sometime soon or some kind of big announcement on growth, for example, but something they can hold on to and take to voters and say, look, this is why you should vote Conservative. And that's what the party is crying out for.
5: I mean, do you think there's any chance that he's going to talk about tax cuts before the budget or... Are we going to get something on HS2? What's going to be the, I know this is usually about the budget, but the rabbit out of the hat of this party conference?
3: I think it might be something on growth. I think we're going to hear some kind of maybe a big supply side reform or something they can hang on to, which will get those juices flowing that you know this party is going to grow the economy. And it might not, not, might not be a tax cut, as you heard Jeremy Hunt earlier talking about, but something on the growth lines.
5: And of course, you had a scoop about this growth fund that, is like Canada's Growth Fund, but it's not something the Chancellor wanted to tell me any more about. What details have you got on it?
3: I think he might be saving that announcement up for later. I think mean, he didn't want to give it all to Bloomberg at first, but uh, I mean, in terms of details, we know that this government has wants to get growth going that kind of growth fund where you know the public public money tries to crowd in private money through th- through that kind of support I mean, that, that's what we're expecting but in his answer to you he talked about the pension reforms they want to do getting more pension fund investment in in companies but this is all part of the same thing right it's how can the government pull levers to to make investment happen and, and, and that, that's what we can expect
0: in terms of the polling, um, the Labour Party, on average, something like eighteen points ahead of Conservatives. But it does look as if Rishi Sunak is more popular, perhaps, than Keir Starmer, who is uh, quite unpopular, actually. If you compare historically, what is the best foot forward that the Conservatives can present? Is it is it Rishi Sunak at the forefront? You know, ver, you know, in order to deal with. Uh, the Labour Party certainly the attacks against Labour have become more pointed even at the start of party conference here in Manchester
3: so I was playing football yesterday with the Conservative MPs uh, and one of, them, one of them came up to me and said you know Joe the polls they have started to move slightly in response to the net zero stuff we've been doing so they can see that there is a path here to potential recovery and that they think if we could just do more of that some more of these kind of hard hitting draw dividing lines with Labour they think that, 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 that more of that could, could have that effect so whether it's Rishi whether it's more kind of pure conservative policy they think they have a chance there and uh, that recent poll wavering uh buoys them
5: obviously the heavy hitting question here is what was the score
3: oh it was a massive 4-2 victory for the journalists it was a <laughs> demolition job i must say and i was part of it
0: amazing <laughs> speedy on your feet as well as uh, in your news copy um in terms of The issues, though, the challenges that the Conservative government has to face. I mean, it's almost as if the Conservatives are trying to uh, say that they're the party of change, even though they've been in power for 13 years. Bob Blackman, the MP that we have spoken to, was saying, well, it is party of change simply because of the function of how many prime ministers there have been, which isn't perhaps the change that they might like.
3: Yes, and that, that is Rishi Sunak seeing that you cannot go into an election not being seen as the party of change. You cannot let the opposition party just have that mantle. So that's why he's doing everything he can to make it look like, no, we are we are the change movement. We have this new slogan, long-term decisions for a brighter future. We are going to do all these new policies, which you haven't talked about before. Vote for us. You know, They, they have to do this, because if they don't, they're, they're going to get crushed. But it's
5: position. so blatantly obvious not what they're doing. Long-term decisions for a brighter future may be the slogan, but then this decision about HS2 is for the short term, this decision about net zero is for the short term. Is it not something that people can see through?
3: I think in defence of the government on the HS2 point, I was speaking to uh, someone in the Treasury and they said that what, what they really think about with HS2 is that the long-term costs are, have actually significantly increased and it wouldn't really save them money in the short term if they were to scrap that the, the leg from Birmingham to Manchester. So th- th- there's something you could say on that but I, I do agree with you that there was a real dissonance when Richard Unite was talking about long-term decisions but then when presenting that net zero change it was really about short-term gain for for voters you know we'll make your life easier in the short term uh, and we'll kind of slightly sacrifice our long-term aim so i i i do agree with you on that point
0: um we were also speaking um to the federation of small businesses earlier this morning and they were talking about how you know elections are won and lost on the economics of the issue and to that point you know outside of the hall here over the weekend there were demonstrations that there's a major cost of living issue remaining in the uk how you assess the state of the economy and is there time for that to change ahead of the next general election we have got living standards, taxation very high, um yeah, those are major issues.
3: I think the hope in the government is that inflation will come down to you know below 3% perhaps early next year. And then that will allow them in that spring budget to say, look, we've completed kind of mission one, inflation down. Now we can go to mission two, which would be those tax cuts, which we've talked about. They don't do tax cuts before that for risk of fueling inflation. So I think they have to hope that coming into the next election, voters will feel like, yes, it was rough before, but we're now entering a period where things could get better and more positive about the future. Therefore, I might vote Conservative.
0: Showmates, thank you so much for being with us Bloomberg's uk politics correspondent of course we'll be speaking to you throughout conference uh, which lasts for n- another few days up until Wednesday evening So, joining us now is Bob Blackman, who is Joint Executive Secretary of the Backbench 1922 Committee. To give us, we hope, a good insight into (laughs) what the Parliamentary Party is thinking about uh, at Conservative Conference. What is the mood, do you think, right now? You're months away, potentially, from the next general election, And behind in the polls, what is the feeling about what you need to do to change that story with voters? Yeah, I think the
4: the reality is, yes, we all accept that we are behind in the national opinion polls. Uh, But in the recent days, we've started to see a shift in those polls uh, with more people uh, coming back to support us and maybe a decline in the overall Labour uh, position. And that's driven by two things. One is that we do know the national opinion polls exclude anyone that says I don't know. So about a third of the population have been saying I don't know and of that third, two thirds voted Conservative in the 2019 election. So I think what we're seeing there is more people saying yes okay I'm going to uh, commit now that I'm, I'm going to support the Conservative Party again. We've still got much, a lot of work to do. I'm not you know, uh, underestimating that but clearly uh, we are starting to make inroads. And I think as this conference goes on, I think we'll make more inroads as people say, yes, actually, I can trust the Conservative Party to make the long-term decisions that are in the best interest of, of the country. The second issue, of course, is that Rishi's announcements that he's been making prior to the conference on uh, very sensible decisions on uh, net zero and how we're going to deal with that uh, because, frankly, from my perspective, I said to Boris Johnson when he was Prime Minister, we all agree. We all agree with getting to net zero. Uh, everyone will say that until you start saying to people, ah, right, and your contribution is you've got to change your life and it's going to cost you this much yes, money. Yes,
0: understood. But how how can you make the case for being a change government given that you've been in power for 13 years? That, that to me, seems like the issue.
4: Well, I think what you, you should look at is, of course, we've had general elections uh, in 2019, 2017 and 2015 um, and and each time with a different leader and by the way we've had three prime ministers since the last general election. So I think you can make the case uh, for for being a change leader and a change government because it's a change of direction and it's getting uh, the, the right sort of decision making for the longer term. Now that's a tough thing for a politician to do I have to say. The one thing I, I can say is that having been campaigning solidly, um, well, I, I think you know, I've been campaigning solidly for a long time, um, there's no great love for Labour and there's no great love for Sharma on the doorsteps. So because of that, that gives us the opportunity to say, look, ignoring what we can all have the brickbats against Labour and have the foot, but the key here, here is that the public are not certainly not convinced by them. So that's up to us now. To convince them that we've got the solutions for the long term that they want to see.
5: So one of the things that lots of backbenchers and frontbenchers alike are saying you need to persuade voters to the Conservative cause at the next election are tax cuts. Do you think it would just be better if the Chancellor announced something on tax cuts at this conference to keep the uni- the party united?
4: I don't think the Chancellor needs to, to announce anything at this conference. We've got the autumn statement and we've got the budget. Uh, now, if you're going to make decisions that want to be popular in the short term, of course you can announce tax reductions. What you can't do is do that in a dramatic fashion, because what it does do, as we unfortunately very painfully saw last year, is when you do that, there's a risk that the markets react badly. And then you, you have the financial problems as a direct result of that. What is very clear that, that since Jeremy has been chancellor, he's been making the decisions that are needed for, as I said, the longer term, even if that's temporarily unpopular. Um, because obviously uh, we've got a high tax rate at the moment. We've got a lot of creeping taxes coming in. Personally, I would like to see uh, the uh, indexation of allowances brought back Um, I'd like to see measures that encourage investment in industry Um, and I'd like to see people have more money in their pockets for the work that they do rather than us taking it in tax and then then for them to make the decisions on how they spend it that's a that's a clearly the aim that we should have now the point at which you do that is up for grabs I mean you you could make announcements today but frankly, I don't think that's not a good thing to do.
0: No, but between now and the next general election... I
4: think what we should be looking at is, let's look at what he, what he decides to announce in the autumn statement. Because the autumn statement will give us the spending position and where, where we're looking and, and also mm. how the markets have reacted. We'll also be in a stronger position in terms of inflation coming down. Because obviously a lot of the uh, action has been on get inflation down Get growth into the economy start reducing the debt mm. um, obviously the other two two grand plans just uh, stop the boats and also reduce the waiting list yeah. in the NHS so if you start to see all those things starting to happen that's the point at but, which you could say you can take controlled decisions not rash decisions but controlled decisions. well
0: okay speaking then bringing together decision making but also long term issues that are very pertinent as we sit here in Manchester the HS2 decision we were speaking to Andy Burnham earlier this morning he was saying that it is impossible for Conservatives to escape the blame for the rising cost of that project because of the way that, that that was decided by them where to tunnel, where to start, that actually you can't avoid taking responsibility for now the price of that which is in andy burnham's view the excuse now for cancel it potentially although nobody knows yet exactly.
4: well no one's taken that decision and there's all sorts of rumors that the cabinet will come together and and decide uh, personally um, i i always thought that the route was the wrong route um, uh, on hs2 but that's a personal view uh, because the original reason for uh, putting hs2 in place was to reduce the amount of internal air traffic uh, in which case what you have i my humble opinion is, you have a, a, a route that goes via airports to encourage people to travel by train to pick up their plane to go externally to the UK. Um, that's not the route that's uh, been chosen, um, and and that became a more expensive route. But. I heard that's what they decided.
5: Bob, I just want to ask you another question about tax cuts if ah. I can. I know that the Chancellor says it's not the time yet and he can cut taxes when it's affordable, but what should he prioritize when he does cut them? Because there seems to be disagreement over what should be the priority. Michael Gove talking about tax cuts for working people. Previously Jeremy Hunt's talked about business cut taxes. I know you want to cut them all if you could, <laughs> you Conservatives, but Given how fiscally constrained the government is, what should be number one priority?
4: I think putting more money into, or into people's pockets by allowing them to keep their own money that they earn. Um, because that has a double impact. First off, uh, most people are beginning getting, getting reasonable salary rises in this country. Um, you may argue whether they're in line with inflation or not. But, but as inflation comes down, they're getting more money. If you can then say okay we'll reduce the burden of taxation and you can do that by allowances as uh, raising allowances um, and I think that's the key one of the issues is for a, a lot of people on perfectly reasonable jobs are dragged into that 40 percent tax bracket um, because of where the allowance sits I think if you raise that but that, that will have a, a, a big impact on allowing people to keep more of their money and those marginal decisions that people take about returning to work for example people with caring responsibilities. Um, it costs you more sometimes to provide care for your children than you'll gain from going back to work for longer hours. Well, we, we've got to address that, because otherwise people, um, women in particular, will, will say, well, what's the point in going back into the workplace? We want to encourage people to, to work and, and earn the money that they can then use as they choose.
0: Okay, Bob Blackman, MP, thank you so much for joining us and discussing. Lizzie, that is a topic that we've talked about often uh, around childcare costs. Uh, Interesting, though, because that is clearly one of the more expensive decisions that you could make when it comes to uh, taxes, the threshold issue. But Bob Blackman, thank you so much for your time. That's it from us for today. If you like the programme, don't forget to subscribe and give it five stars so that other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by James And our audio engineers were Marufal Hussain and John Wasserman. I'm Lizzie Burden. And I'm Caroline Hepger. We'll be back with more from the Conservative Party Conference in Manchester tomorrow. This is Bloomberg.
3: Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street... top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.